welcome to the Wasatch Report. This is episode number 49. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson is joining me today. We are fresh off our trip from Tennessee. We had a great time back there. We took last week off, so sorry to make you wait. Today we're going to talk about firearms and federalism. There's some breaking news, an opinion from the Ninth Circuit. That's a federal court ruling on a Hawaii statute that regulates their open carry and concealed carry firearms laws. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com. We roll live from Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. And if you are going to join us there, uh, if you're here now, right now, thank you so much. I see the people are weighing in, letting us know that they're there. We really appreciate it. And we will share your comments as we get going. Also, we are, if you're not listening live, or we upload these to Anchor FM. And even if you do join us live, we get a lot of people that do come in live. We really appreciate you. If you could just give this a replay on Anchor, that is actually how we get paid from Anchor for doing this. And that doesn't cost you anything at all. You can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. But Jeff, I got to say, I think the content we provide, it's at least worth $4.99 a month. What are people paying for some of these other subscription systems and they just get, you know, I know when I had Dish Network, I all, my only options were Newsmax, Fox, and then CNN and that sort of thing. We try and give you something a little bit different here. And for less than a cup of coffee um, at one of those boutique outlets, we can give you something a lot better here. You can also support us by going to SuzanneCSherman.com. There's a donate button on the homepage. If you'd like to get some outstanding reading material, go to Suggested Reading. I have Amazon affiliates. You will get some great options for preparedness, philosophical, legal books on there, and that will not cost you anything extra. And then we get paid from Amazon as well. For more on preparedness, speaking of suggested reading, please check out my book, The Lost Frontier Handbook. That's finally going to be available in uh, this month, actually, this March. I'm hoping to get copies sent to me so I can go to a preparedness expo Back out in Nashville, looks like I might be getting on a plane again if we can get these uh, to me in time. Uh, there's a preparedness expo in Murfreesboro, May 1st and 2nd. So I plan to go to that if we can get the books. In the meantime, you can get them by uh, ordering. Go to the lostfrontierhandbook.com. It has been in an e-version. If you have ordered that, just pay shipping and then you will get the physical copy of the book sent directly to you. So learn the ways of the pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance, lostfrontierhandbook.com. Jeff, you had a, when we got back, you were telling me about a letter your mom got from the Republican Party. And I think they write these letters and frame them in a way that makes people panic and think that if they don't send money to whoever is sending this note, they might be disenfranchised and not be able to have their voices heard at the ballot box. Uh, let's let's have you elaborate yeah. a little bit upon this and what your mom said about it. Yeah, so here's the letter in full. Uh, I'll stop sharing that because I'll go down to the uh, bottom where, the, where she was that kind of brought this whole thing on. So my mom gets this letter and she opens it up and she goes, oh my goodness, uh, have I lapsed? Am I not in the Republican Party anymore? It says here my membership has lapsed. And I said, stop, don't even read anymore, throw it away. It's just the Republican Party being totally deceitful, trying to get you to send them money. And I didn't even go over there and look at the letter until later when I grabbed it and 
so I could show this. So if you look right there, it says membership status lapsed. That was the first thing my mom went to, and she thought that she was not going to be able to vote in primaries and stuff unless well, I'm guessing that unless she sent money in most people. And there's going to be a lot of people out there that will go, oh, my goodness, I better send them money or I'm going to be lapsed. And so it's a seat. And, and what else do you expect from politicians in these parties? Uh, Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. Uh, LPs, like, you know, Alan always talks about, doesn't matter. They're all going to send letters that are going to be deceitful, try to get you to send money. In this case, I was like, don't send them a penny. You know, and it's interesting. Alan says, imagine being a member of the GOP. I actually left the GOP probably 15, 20 years ago when I lived in California. But I had to rejoin in Utah because I really did want to. Uh, You know, my voting views have changed quite a bit since I've seen how futile it really is. But that's that's aside from everything. I, I did join because you're not allowed to vote in the primaries unless you're a member of a party. That's one difference between Utah in California. And quite honestly, I wanted to support Rand Paul and the primaries. Utah was heavily in favor of Cruz, who is not constitutionally eligible to be president. Um, so I and even if he was, I wanted to support Rand, uh, Rand Paul. So um, anyway, I joined. And as as a, I guess, a reward for being thanks now my, or for joining, I, my phone rings constantly for solicitations for police officers, associations, firefighters, and for the veterans. Again, not saying these aren't good causes, but this is what happens when you join the GOP. Not only did I join, but they have sold my information to all of these fundraising activities, very little of which any donated amount, even though I've asked them all to stop contacting me, goes to the target of the fundraising. We know that, don't we? So uh, enough, enough of that. But I, I'm glad you set your mom straight. Just so everybody knows, you do not have to pay to be affiliated with any party. I'm really surprised they got away with that. I, I would I would reach out to them, Jeff, and uh, maybe ask them to correct themselves. How's that worked? <laughs> yeah, that's about as, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and, and regardless of how you feel about the causes, Alan's saying I can say they're not good causes. Even if you think they are, what you have to understand is when you get solicited by these telemarketers, I had one call about a veteran's cause once, and I asked how much of the money that they received actually goes to the to the the veterans that they claim to be supporting, and it was amount of less than 15%. So less than 15 cents on the dollar that you donate. Find other smaller causes, find other whatever, whatever your favorite charity or cause is. Find a something that's smaller that's 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 more grassroots that's also going to give a bigger percentage if not almost so, all of it I'm Go gonna, ahead. i want to jump in on that if you want to give money to one of these causes find a local veteran and help him out help him with uh, whatever he might need he might need groceries he might need to just have someone go out and take him out to dinner once in a while and sit down and talk to him and that'll do more for them and for the cause than it is for sending money to some organization far away. That's going to take skim money off the top before and pay themselves before they start doing anything for veterans or anyone else. So if you feel inclined to do this stuff, find someone local. You know, it doesn't take much to just submit your credit card. If somebody wants to send you like a, a package in the mail, give them your credit card number and you've done, you've made a donation. It's really time and effort and your energy. Like you said, Jeff, be a friend, do some shopping for them. Uh, do do things to help people in your own community. And if everybody comes together like that, guess what? 
we would need less government programs, which is exactly, you know, the antithesis of the message government wants you to get. They really want you to think that, you know, the only way you can acceptably help people is through the government and by, by voting for the politicians that will expedite that kind of help to the people. So that being said, we're going to take a quick break for our friends at Anchor FM, and then we're going to get back into it and uh, start the topics of our conversations today with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals opinion. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us today. Jeff Johnson and me, Suzanne Sherman, we are talking about, we're going to get into talking about this, some breaking news. There's a lot, uh, as you know, we had a mass shooting in Georgia and another one in Colorado. Is it just me, Jeff, or is this on the uptick now that Trump is not in office? I noticed we had a lot of them when Obama was in office, and I haven't actually tried to run statistics or anything. First of all, I hate them. They put me to sleep. But it just seems like to me, whenever there's a big gun control agenda on the table, lo and behold, there are a lot of mass shootings. Well, I I believe that what you're seeing is uh, agenda-driven stuff. I that's you know tinfoil hat crap here but you know the fact of the matter is all of a sudden they want to push gun control and uh within a couple days there's two mass shootings i mean come on it doesn't take too much of a stretch to uh go down that rabbit hole well and then we'll get into this in a little bit too but something that comes to mind is when the aurora colorado theater shooting occurred what was what was happening when that shooting took place the negotiations for the UN gun talk, the gun uh, gun treaty, which was going to uh, seriously infringe importation of firearms, uh, the small arms ban, something like that. So look to see what else is going. What's what's happening concurrently? But yeah, uh, Adam is saying, yeah, it sure seems like it, and that's all I can say. It really does seem like it. Something might not be the case, but boy, I mean, how do you say this? Two, two, uh, you know, two of them in a week. What were you going to say, Jeff? Yeah. And what else is off the news uh, cycle now? Who, or, or should I say, who else is off the news cycle now? Oh, our uh, Herr Cuomo. Herr Cuomo just has disappeared. All his uh, sexual harassment, all the 15,000 seniors he murdered by putting COVID-positive patients in the senior homes, all of a sudden that's gone, miraculously disappeared. Yeah, and, you know, first of all, they were using the sexual uh, his sexual uh, misbehavior and harassment cases to take the way uh, away the blame from all of the people that were murdered in the um, in the nursing home. So yes, Greg says let's go down that rabbit hole, folks. We do like to explore these issues that most people don't like to get into. But let's first deal with as soon as I got home an hour before we started a broadcast, and I started seeing reports of the Ninth Circuit. Court of Appeals and a ruling that they have on Hawaii's uh, Hawaii's uh, open carry restrictions. Now, Hawaii, from what I'm seeing here, is very, first of all, we know Hawaii is very restrictive when it comes to firearms laws. And they are essentially what we call a, they're like California, a May issue state. So it's going to be up to <clears throat> law enforcement. And you also have to show cause that you are worthy of being granted permission by the state crown to carry firearms. So here's where the, this is an article from Law and Crime. I think, Jeff, you sent me one also from LA Times, but uh, that's behind a paywall, so I was not able to see that. But here they're saying a federal court denied a challenge to Hawaii's prohibition on the open carry of firearms. I love this, there's a link here. I haven't had a chance to read it, but I might just take some time for the next show 
and really pick this apart because they say, in a lengthy and scholarly opinion released Wednesday, Oh, lengthy, yes. Scholarly, no. As I've said, go to my article, um, The Problem with Lawyers in the Constitution. That was that was published by the Abbeville Institute, but you can go right over to SuzanneCSherman.com. I've got my published articles there, so you don't have to try and dig them up, because I'm sure Google has those buried. But anyway, it finds that Hawaiian law and practice both predate and supersede a broad application of the Second Amendment. Jeff, doesn't that pretty much just describe all firearms laws? I mean, all firearms rights. And this is the problem because everybody, when I saw this post, was talking about Second Amendment rights. We know firearms rights predate the Second Amendment because it is a natural right to defend oneself from attack, whatever the source. That's going to be relevant in the next segment that we get into here. So here's what they're saying Hawaii law began limiting public carriage of dangerous weapons, including firearms, more than 150 years ago before it became a U.S. territory and more than a century before it became a state, which was um, 18, seven, uh, 1959. The opinion explains in language foreshadowing the method of inquiry and eventual ruling in favor of anti-gun reg regulation. Interestingly, the dissent here is the one that got it wrong. So sitting in bank, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled 7-4 against George Young, who was twice denied an open carry permit in 2011. Massive 215-page opinion was authored by George W. Bush-appointed Circuit Judge J. Bybee. The two dissents were authored by a collection of judges appointed by former Presidents Reagan, Bush, and Trump. So this court spends 50 pages discussing the time-honored regulation of weapons under the law. This is nothing more than ego, pure and simple. This is, remember uh, Jeff and Heller, and I, I have the article up, but I actually bought the opinion of Heller. It's 63 pages that, Sc that Scalia waxes eloquent about what he says is, He's a textualist and originalist. The Constitution says what it means. It means what it says. But he takes 63 pages to define the Second Amendment, which is pretty much one sentence. So let me continue here a little bit. Uh, 50 pages. That's, again, ego doesn't need to be done that quickly. The thorough and admittedly non-exhaustive historical inquiry, necessary long and tough. Oh, my God, what a bunch of crap. Let me keep going. The dissent. By Reagan appointed, here's where it gets dicey here, by the Reagan appointed senior circuit judge Diamond Scanlon bemoaned the court's grand historical survey, finding the rely of reliance upon those regulations extreme and bizarre. And here's where he gets it wrong. He went on to argue that the court's use of these prohibitions represents a gross, a gross misapplication of the textual and historical inquiries demanded by the landmark Supreme Court case of D.C. versus Heller. And here's where these guys are trying to sound really smart with all these big words and this eloquent writing, and they still screw it up. Heller, which established a constitutional right of an individual to own a gun for self-defense, absent militia memberships. They use the word sans to make themselves sound worldly way back in 2008. 
Jeff, can you tell me a little bit how Heller established this constitutional right to own a gun for self-defense? It didn't. And I had this discussion this morning on Facebook. Someone was saying about their constitutional right. I said, you have no such thing as a constitutional right. And he went on and on and on about it. And finally, I just gave up on it. But the fact of the matter, there is no such thing as a constitutional right. If you think you have a constitutional right, you are ceding your natural rights to government control. Because once you call it a constitutional right, you make it a civil right. And then it's subject to the whim of government. A natural right is something you have. It's inherent in you because you're a human being. And that's not up for debate. Government has no right over that. And so, um, so Alan, here, I'll put this up. Alan actually made a good point here. My rights Alan? are not up for this. Yeah, Alan did. Imagine that. Oh. Uh, my rights are not up for a discussion, much less a vote. We'll keep going here. I don't get my rights from a kangaroo government or a court system, uh, Greg said. I got into this discussion this morning. I finally gave up. I shared your article uh, from the 10th Amendment Center, and I just left it at that because I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with somebody about giving up their rights to them. And you know who? You know who the number one reason why people like think this think that way? The NRA. The NRA is the enemy of our natural rights. Don't send another penny to them. They are the enemy. They are compromising your natural rights to a government in the name of constitutional rights. When, NRA, uh, no rifles in America. NRA, negotiating rights away. So here, and I just realized why this article is just so ridiculous. It's a, a Dan Abrams production. Wasn't he that clown on court TV? I think he's found his way over to phone news. Here's what he says here, and he's giving us a little background now so we can understand this a little better, and he still completely eps it up. Note, a quirk of U.S. constitutional law is that rights are typically first found to apply to citizens of Washington, D.C., and then are later incorporated to apply to all citizens. This process for the Second Amendment took about two years in between both cases. This is why people that call themselves constitutional attorneys, they should be called constipational attorneys, for this, for a very good reason, because of this. First of all, these rights are not found to apply in citizens of Washington, D.C., because some black robe messiah said so. These are natural rights predating the Constitution. Oftentimes, the states who, by the way, created the general government and ratified the Constitution had constitutions of their own, which already addressed the natural right of the citizens in their states. Heller held that an outright ban on firearms in the home violates the Second Amendment by being noted. That's the judge. The extent to which the Second Amendment protects the right to keep and bear arms outside the home is less clear. That's a big problem. To that issue, Heller posed more questions than it answered. By tying the Second Amendment to the need to defend oneself, Heller implied, that some right to bear arms may exist outside the home. Oh, heaven forbid you have a right to defend yourself outside your home. The court went on to explain how to answer those questions. So here's the thing. This is why Heller really was hailed as such a victory, because one of the, de one of the detractors' main points about trying to take away firearms rights is that you have to have some sort of connection and it has to be connected to service within the militia. And Scalia was praised for saying that that's not, the tr that's not true. You don't have to be a member of the militia or the military 
to be able to have a right to keep and bear arms. As we said, it existed pre before the Constitution was ever ratified. The other thing is he asks what kind of firearm the Second Amendment protects. The answer, depending on how you want to address it, is either all or none because it doesn't protect them. It really is a restriction upon the general government, Congress, from regulating firearms at all, with the exception found under Article 1, Section 8, to arm the militia. But the fear the founders had was, well, if they could arm the militia, they could also disarm the militia, which is why the Constitution was, was I think it was New York and Virginia, I think even Rhode Island, they wanted further assurances that, the, that, that firearms and other uh, certain rights would not be infringed upon or in any way taken away by the general government. That's why the Bill of Rights was added. So these states would, would ratify. So where does this take us now? Essentially what we have with Heller, and this is why I, um, I wrote this article. I'm going to pick apart my article, how Heller botched the Second Amendment. Go ahead, Jeff. We got to go back to the preamble to the uh, Bill of Rights. That's how you figure out what they were doing. The convention of a number of the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. And then it goes on to explain why they wanted them added. That's the reason why they're there. It wasn't there to grant rights. It wasn't there to say which guns are allowed. It wasn't there to uh, do anything other than restrict the federal government, not states, not anyone else, just the federal government. And to make that point very clear, what are the first five words of the First Amendment? Congress shall make no law. Is it, is, it's not that difficult to figure this out. I don't know why this morning I was banging my head against the wall with this guy. It's not hard to figure out that this is a restriction. It has nothing to do with the granting or protecting rights. It's about restricting the government. And then if they, they can't figure that out, we're screwed. There's just no fixing this. Exactly. And that was the, that was the one point that Scalia never, ever addressed. He never said that the Constitution the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment, is an absolute prohibition against the general government from regulating firearms, with the exception I mentioned before. And that's why we're going to see this AR ban, something we're going to talk about before. We had an AR ban during the Clinton administration. Statistically, it was a non, it was a non-starter. But here's the problem, and this is, I, I will say that the um, one of the justices, uh, Bybee, the one that upheld Hawaii's laws said they looked at the tr the tradition in Hawaii of gun control and the restrictions on carrying firearms, and they used that question. They said by framing the question in the way, uh, looking at their history and traditions, the court easily reached the conclusion that the firearm statute does not run afoul of the Second Amendment. Well, you don't even need to get into Hawaii's history because all you have to do is read this little bit. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited to uh, by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. That's the 10th Amendment, folks. All they're really saying there is if it ain't in Article 1, Section 8, guess what? I mean, they don't have the power to regulate this. Oh, yeah. 
You can repeal the Second Amendment. It doesn't change a damn thing. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to read from the Hawaii Constitution. So here we go. And it's Article 1, Section 17. You had heard this one before. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Hmm, I don't know where that came from. But you know what? Right now. Yeah. It doesn't matter then because they can't infringe either by their constitution. But, you know, they don't care. They're not going to obey their constitution any more than the federal ones will. But this is where people are going to go, okay, you two knuckleheads, we were right all along. Hawaii's not supposed to be doing this. You're absolutely correct. They're not supposed to be doing this because they are violating their own constitution. What this boils down to is the stupid, the boring, which is why nobody wants to talk about the procedural issue of jurisdiction. What is the proper forum to redress this grievance against Hawaii's legislative enactments infringing upon your right to keep and bear arms? It's going to have to come from the state of Hawaii exclusively, because when you run to the federal court, you're going to get top-down decisions that are ultimately going to result in more infringements as opposed to left. That's the whole principle of federalism. If you don't like Hawaii's laws, just like I didn't like California's laws, I moved. I left California. I knew I could stand on the corner like I did waving my stupid Tea Party flag or whatever and and uh, and nothing was going to change. So I decided, you know what? I want to live my life unencumbered by these restrictions. Utah, by the way, and this was a mind blower, uh, Spencer Cox actually signed permitless carry in the state of Utah. That takes effect, I believe it's May 10th or May 5th, sometime in May. So, um, you know, there are different laws. But if you keep running to Washington, D.C., eventually they are going to infringe upon your firearms rights, not your Second Amendment rights, your pre-existing firearms rights, your right to defend yourself from any assault, and you're going to lose those. Phil says they can make all the laws they want. My county is a sanctuary city for guns. So sick of political garbage eating my rights. And folks, that's where this is going to have to come up with. We're going to talk about some of the uh, restrictions that we're going to see in the next segment here, but it's ultimately going to be, Jeff, what happened to the state of New York with the SAFE Act and the registration of all the firearms and the assault rifles? They only had a few hundred thousand of the estimated three or four million uh, registered. So uh, it was uh, it was around 8%. And I ended up talking to a state trooper and they said they've just given up on it. They don't care about the SAFE Act. They're not going to enforce it because uh, no one's no one's going to uh, register their firearms and it's not worth them even trying to do anything. There's so few of them, they can't do it anyway. So if they had to do it, they'd have to get somebody else uh, to actually enforce this because the state troopers are the, the Praetorian Guard. They're the, the uh, king's guardsmen uh, up in the up at the palace. So, you know, they have a few peppered here and there. They write tickets, but outside of that, they're the Praetorian Guard. Now, here's here's where they do share something that is absolutely correct. Again, they're talking about Hawaii is a um, it essentially version. It's a modern version of the laws because the state only provides open carry licenses to individuals of good moral character. How about we have a restriction that you can only run for office if you have good moral character? If that ain't the way to anarchy, (laughs) there is no other way to get there. 
So let's see. So I said and I said on one of these uh, senators uh, posts today, there was a senator, a liberal guy, that was posting about guns and gun control. And I said, I'll tell you what. Here's how we'll do this first. The government, or the army, the military, everyone, everyone in government, and every police officer in the United States, turn in their firearms, get rid of their firearms first, and then maybe we'll talk about gun control. But until all those weapons are gone, uh, no, we're not talking about this. Yeah, I think history shows what happens when you do that. And here's one of one of the comments on here: Hawaii, Hawaii's uh, regulatory scheme again. Uh, you have to be of good moral character, but that's not enough. You have to show an urgency or need to carry a firearm. And those are engaged in the protection of life and property. Here's the thing, though. That is Hawaii's traditions are in direct contravention to the cut and paste version of their firearm protections in their own state constitution. And this is why you have to ask, who are the clowns that come up with this garbage? Because here's Hawaii's tradition, yet they have a constitutional provision in their state that actually mimics the one um, in the federal constitution. So none of it makes any sense. But what they say here is a quote, the restrictions are, and here's where they're correct, the state's legitimate police powers and are not within the scope of the right protected by the Second Amendment. And they're absolutely correct there. That means that Young's challenge, this was the dissenting opinion here, Young's challenge to Hawaii's res, uh, restrictions fails at one at step one of our framework and may be held upheld without further analysis. That one paragraph alone sub, uh, summarizes the exact, everything you need to know about that case. We easily conclude that HRS 134-9 is facially consistent with the Second Amendment. I would say it's facially consistent with the Tenth Amendment. Even then, it's like, oh, you were so close. Folks, these are federal judges. These are federal judges. And you would think they might know what they were talking about. And then also, um, and then also that guy, Dan, whatever, his Abrams, I think. Yeah, I remember him on court TV. And this is the kind of garbage you get when you go to the corporate media and seek analysis when it comes to firearms and other issues. We are gonna take a break for our musical sponsor, Roxanne. I suggest that you find that song on their playlist, get the album. Uh, this song I'm going to paraphrase is essentially mind your own business. You'll be able to find it based on that. Get the entire album, it's outstanding, but keep that song in mind when we hear about all these gun control laws coming down. We'll be right back. <laughs> Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. All right, everybody, I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson joining me. This is the Wasatch Report, and we're talking right now about the Ninth Circuit. Well, in, our, in our last segment, we were talking about the Ninth Circuit in the case where they upheld the state of Hawaii's legal ability to hinder their uh, or determine what their firearms uh, open carry 
laws are going to be. And the dissenting opinion actually got it right where they said this is something that falls within uh, the state of Hawaii's police powers. And it's a 10th Amendment issue, not a Second Amendment issue. All right. So, Jeff, we haven't been around. A couple shootings took place conveniently when the Biden administration is or whoever's pulling the strings and winding him up uh, has been planning. We know that they were planning a lot of firearms regulations, even they campaigned on that platform as well. And uh, conveniently, we have had two mass shootings. We were talking before we went live um, with the show, recording the show, that during the UN Small Guns Treaty negotiations was when we had the shooting of the um, in Aurora, Colorado. So let's uh, let's back up a little bit and talk a bit about there was a shooting in Georgia. Eight people died, but the media only cares that six of them were Asians. And apparently there's been an uptick in uh, hate crimes against Asians. Jeff, if that were the case, do you think we would not be seeing that all over headline news? Have we seen anything of that once this year in the past year? Nope, not at nope. all. Nope, all of a sudden, all of a sudden. And then now we had, uh, let's see, let's share a little bit, a little bit about this. Uh, the victims in the Colorado shooting, and this was just a fluff piece from Microsoft News, just you know, the typical garbage. Uh, And again, I'm not disparaging or in any way taking away from the significance of the people that died, but this is how they they focused on this, who the victims were. You can read this article, we'll put that in the notes. Um, Tragic losses, but they're completely ignoring the fact that the shooter um, was Syrian. And again, he'd been in the United States since he was three years old. He's 21 year old, he's a 21 year old. But was Syria, and I could be wrong, was Syria one of the countries, and again, he was here beforehand, that um, Trump wanted to just have a pause and see who these people were so they could be better vetted? Yep. He okay. wanted to uh, set, you know, stop them from coming in. And then, you know, of course, uh, Biden was over there just, uh, I think, didn't he bomb something over there or something? I don't remember. Who knows? Uh, oh, and this, yes. And Sue brings up, yes, he was a white Syrian. Now, we we brought up, um, I posted something from the Babylon Bee, and I thought it was, this is really a testament against corporate media and how ridiculous they are. I shared this from the Babylon Bee with no commentary, and people, their, their underoos are wadded up all over the internet. And essentially what the Babylon Bee is, Bee says that um, the shooter was factually Arab, but morally white that people didn't recognize that as satire immediately says a, it's very sad comment yeah. for the corporate. So community. I had a post on there telling people, listen, this is, this is satire. This isn't real news. It does say CNN there, but it's not real news. And know what? the reason I did that there is because I had to do it on mine. People <laughs> were going off on mine. I was like, Oh, okay. It's satire folks. I'm sorry. I should have made that clear at the beginning. Cause I kind of played off it and made a little joke of it on the beginning of mine. And so people were going crazy. I said, I got to change it. So I erased everything I had on there and just put on, this is satire. And I did the same thing on your post. Alan, isn't white Syrian a cocktail? Yeah, it's the bomb. (laughs) So, and this is, this is what we saw also the garbage with um, Trayvon and, and uh, Zimmerman. Because as I'm watching this, you know that the media, who supposedly hates systemic racism, is just absolutely chock full of the biggest racists on the freaking planet. So I'm watching this whole thing unfold with Zimmerman 
and Trayvon Martin going, okay, we have a Hispanic and an African American. What the hell is the media going to do with this one, folks? They're not going to know whose side to take. Well, what they do, they just labeled Zimmerman a white Hispanic. Have you ever heard that term before in your life, a white Hispanic? No, never heard that. I I saw this whole thing when it was going through with that one. I it was just crazy. I couldn't believe they were uh, making this about white when they. You know, I mean, the guy was Hispanic. He's you know he is what it is. I don't. And this guy's Syrian. He is what he is. I mean, don't. Well, they're going to make this all political, and so it all has to fit their political agenda. So it was uh, racism in Atlanta when race had nothing to do with it, but. Who cares? What facts don't By the matter. Way, so this guy, he was born in Syria. His name was um, Ahmed Alyssa. He was 21 years old. And there are some there's some parallels here, too, with uh, what was his name? Nicholas. There was I have it. I have it here in my. Um, oh, his name is right here. Yes. Nicholas Cruz. And we're going to see a parallel. He was the shooter in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida. But this is. um. This guy, his his Facebook was apparently scrubbed. Something they didn't do, by the way, for Dylan Roof. You could see his images everywhere. Dylan Roof was the shooter at the uh, Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, North Carolina. And his Facebook information was out there everywhere. Pictures of him holding the Virginia battle flag. They didn't have any of him holding the American flag, although there were some pictures that were available. But he is a 21-year-old responsible for the mass shooting at the Colorado grocery store. And this took place on Monday. He was known to the FBI and had ranted online against racist Islamophobes who were supposedly hacking his phone. And this was really interesting. He has been described by his family as mentally ill. There's also a tie in here with a um, mentally ill shooter in Santa Barbara, California. He was born in Syria, moved to the U.S. when he was three. He's in Colorado now, 30 miles from where the, uh, the store was. At 2.40 a.m. or 2 p.m., I beg your pardon, on Monday, he opened fire at the King Supers grocery store in Boulder, killing 10 people. Boulder has significant draconian gun laws there, very anti-gun community. I guarantee there was not a single armed person uh, on the premises other than the police officer who was killed when he ran in and was shot in the head. So the shooter was taken into custody, was transported. He was treated with a, a leg wound. So apparently he went in there. Here's the other thing. Apparently we know with the Colorado shooting, despite despite the, the claims to the contrary by the family who said it was a mental illness, that was a racial, that was racially motivated shooting. By the way, the two other people that were killed, they don't matter, but six Asians were killed. That's what matters. Six Asians, F the rest. So this guy here, all of a sudden now, we're looking for a motive. When someone of a similar um, ideological belief plows a truck through a crowd, we're looking for a motive. Hmm. What could the motive possibly be? He has been charged with 10 counts of murder. In Facebook posts over 18 months, he complained about not having a girlfriend, ranted about President Trump, and talked about his Islamic faith. Apparently, none of that's available now. Apparently, from what I've been reading, it's gone. I'll, I'll tell you, I have not gone and looked for it. Uh, the Times, the New York Times, posted on Tuesday, he was known to the FBI because he was linked to another person who had been under investigation for something else, but they didn't give any details. Maybe, maybe 
the FBI should have spent a little bit less time uh, looking at that clown in the buffalo hat and the fake than the fake riot in Washington, D.C. And I love, by the way, that they are using the term riot for what happened in Washington, D.C. when the police opened the door to the Capitol and showed them the way. We're going to wrap up the show with some more commentary on this topic after we take a break for our friends at Anchor FM. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we're wrapping up the show here. This is the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson joining me. We're talking about the pending gun legislation uh, that is coming right off the heels of two mass shootings, tragic incidents. We're talking about how the media has been spinning this. I was mentioning that the family of the shooter in the case in Colorado, Ahmad, Alyssa, he was 21 years old. He was already known to the FBI. His family said he was mentally ill. Not long before the shooting, one of his family members said she saw pictures of him playing with something that apparently looked like a machine gun. There was a case in California, San Bernardino, where a teenage boy who was, I believe, on some psychotropic medications, his father said he was mentally ill, uh, shot some people in San Bernardino, another mass shooting. This, I think, was where we started with the red flag laws. That's when California started going more formally after the red flag laws, where somebody can turn you in, some, a family member, somebody close to you, a teacher, and then the firearms will be confiscated from your possession. And by the way, lest you think that Biden's the worst on guns, uh, his predecessor said he likes to get the guns early as well and will worry about due process. So this is not a a partisan issue. Go ahead. Uh, did you see the article I sent to you about Biden asking the SCOTUS to allow police to uh, confiscate firearms without warrants? So this is going to, we'll get to that another day, I'm sure. We don't have time for yeah. that in the last 15 minutes here. But it is interesting that you talked about uh, getting the guns first. So if this goes through and Biden gets his way, they'll just kick your door down and come in and take the stuff and uh, there's no repercussion. There, at this point, most states think just about every state, I don't, I don't know of any that don't, have a something in their constitution that says they have to get a warrant before they can come into your house to confiscate something. The federal one has one as well, So that, but that one applies to the unconstitutional law enforcement in uh, the federal government because there's only three laws that they're allowed to prosecute. There was nothing ever said about them having law enforcement to, to control them because policing is a municipal power. But you're going to see that they're going to just ignore the state ones and they're going to just ignore the federal one. And they're going to just start kicking doors. What can possibly go wrong? You know, when you first start learning about American exceptionalism and how free we are here, one of the reasons we're told we're so free is, well, back back before our independence, the, the British soldiers, they just they would kick down your door in the middle of the night and drag you out of the house. What the hell are they doing now? We have no knock rates. And now we're talking about the Supreme Court giving the rubber stamp on police coming in to get our guns, which, by the way, are support are supposedly protected by the Second Amendment. So where is any sense of cohesion here? They're making this up as they go along. This is what I try to get the constipational conservatives to really understand. Those that are also saying, by the way, hey, I want this border closed right now, federal government. They sure don't want the federal government taking their firearms away. But guess what? The feds have nothing to say, according to the Constitution, as ratified. That's what I try to do here. Put these in the framework, not of what's going to solve our problem today, 
but show you why we are where we are today because we don't understand federalism. Making a federal issue out of everything that comes from the state or a border of a sovereign state, again, when the Constitution was ratified, this is how we get to this. We look to the federal Leviathan to solve all our problems. So let's take a look a little bit now. So at some of the laws that they're planning, and I know we're kind of running out of time here, but uh, Cami has some ideas of what they want to do. God, I can't. Can you even watch her speak, Jeff? I can't stand the sound of her voice. She said on yeah, Wednesday. Well, it was really funny that the president was going to give uh, remarks today. We talked about this while we were in Nashville. And we're not going to even get a chance to talk about Nashville. But um, when we were in Nashville, we were talking about it. I shared it to you guys that the president was going to speak. And so when you turned on the video from Fox oh, News. Oh, yes. Who did yeah. you see speaking? Mm -hmm. Cruella Harris. Cammy. There was it another one where it wasn't it was even it wasn't even Biden speaking. He was standing standing way back behind her with his mask on. It might not even have been him. Who knows? But the fact oh. of the matter is, it said. I mean, the big headline on Fox News: uh, President Biden uh, give remarks, and it was Cruella. Or he's speaking, and she's standing behind him with her arms crossed and the mask on. But yeah, it's really interesting to see these dynamics. So here's here's what a. Cammy has to say now, uh, if we really want something that is going to be lasting more than executive orders, we need congressional action on gun laws in the wake of two mass shootings in Colorado and Atlanta. Uh, we need to pass legislation. So, you know, why do they have the inauguration? What happens at the inauguration? They put their hand on the Bible or whatever it is they're swearing on. And promise to uphold and defend the Constitution. And here's the thing, folks, name a candidate that has ever campaigned on a platform purely in conformance with the Constitution. Conservatives alike campaign on platforms that violate the Constitution. So now when we see these things that come up like with Hawaii and everything, haven't they read the Constitution? Well, haven't any of you? How can you support these candidates? Again, this is going back to Trump and think that he's the greatest thing and he's going to save our republic when he didn't campaign on anything. It went from, we're going to repeal Obamacare. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. I like to get the guns early. I don't like bump, bump stocks. Bump, yeah, bump stocks. So, and on top yeah. of that, you know, it's really bad when, it's like I said, I like Massey. I have no ill will towards Thomas Massey, but when it really comes right down to it, he's just another politician in Washington, D.C. So he now put out the other day his thing that he wanted to get, he had a one page thing to get rid of the Department of Education. And I just got on his side and said, that political theater, it's never going to happen. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows that this is dead on arrival. You're never going to repeal the uh, Department of Education. And I said to him, furthermore, if you really believe that, you would have done that on day one of Trump's first uh, in his administration because you had the House, the Senate, and Trump. You could have repealed the Department of Education any time uh, in that first two years, and you did nothing. So don't tell me now all of a sudden this is a high priority to you. They all play the game there. They're all the same. They're politicians, and that's why we support de uh, decentralization. So Trump was impeached not once but twice. But now what Camilla wants to do is put forth legislation that if Biden signs it, he should be impeached. But we know it won't happen. President Biden is not dismissing the possibility of taking executive action. Harris said, again, he should be impeached for doing that as well. 
Will it happen? Absolutely not. So she continues by saying, if the Congress acts, then it becomes law. And that is what we have lacked. That is what has been missing. Really? There's no there's no federal firearms law. I think we got like 20,000 of them. We need universal background checks. You know, various states have done it. And here's the kicker. But there's no universal approach to this. Point A, there's no federal authority for this. Variances among the states are the heart and soul of federalism. This is something we came across constantly in law school. When we are reading the Black Robe Messiah's justification to hear some BS case that they have no jurisdictional authority to hear in the first place, we will hear, due to inconsistencies of state opinions, this court is right, is right for, re for judicial review. No, inconsistencies in state opinions means it's none of your damn business. This case shouldn't even be in the book. But here's what she's saying. She doesn't like the inconsistencies in federal firearms laws. And when you go to the federal court, when you keep running to the Supreme Court, you're going to get a national solution. Let's take a look at the differences in, for instance, carry regulations. Hawaii and California are very similar. Illinois, oh no, hell no, don't even think about it. California has no reciprocity with any other state. Utah and other states now we're seeing, uh, just coming about doing this as well, have now permitless carry. Do you think if it comes to the Supreme Court that we're going to get national legislation that looks more like California's laws or more like Utah's laws? And this is the thing, we already have background checks. You can't get a firearms law and a firearms, a firearm without going through a background check and filming out and filling out ATF form 4473. And I mentioned that in my article where it says the states need to step up and protect medical marijuana users. So we're looking now at she wants to, let's see, uh, universal background checks, ARs. We want to ban assault rifles and high capacity magazines. So what are they proposing? We know that they've talked about uh, universal registration, universal registration. That's another reason why I would never submit and try to get a carry uh, permit for any firearm, because that's going to be a de facto form of universal gun registration, because that all goes through the DOJ. Do you think, Jeff, that they just toss those records once they, once they check them, or do they maybe go somewhere? Oh, nothing is ever gone. If the, if the NSA hasn't taught us anything over the last few years, nothing is ever gone. So what I wanted to show here, I've got three articles that I pulled up, and I know that this is going to be um, an ongoing topic for us for a while. But what I did want to say, the point being in Heller, was that Galea again the Second Amendment conferred, he said, an individual right to keep and bear arms. Of course, he says the right was not limited. To claim a right is so sacred that the government may not infringe upon it, but then to say that the government has the authority to regulate the very same right is inherently contradictory. I would ask people, I've, I've posted this article, I think Jeff, you did, in the links for our comments. We'll also put it up on Facebook as well. But what we're looking at here is also a ban on the assault rifles. And again, AR does not stand for assault rifle, it stands for Armalite, but it's a scary looking gun that makes, you know, 
liberals and even many conservatives who say that people shouldn't be ar- as well armed as the police. They're not going to be. That's never going to happen. So again, uh, I have this article. It's on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. And I think if you go to uh, Suzanne's article page, it's called AR Bans Are They Constitutional? The Tenth Amendment Center. It's, it's called Muskets to AR-15 Weapons of War Enemies of Tyranny. And President Barack Obama had said that weapons of war have no place on our streets. We only, we only, they only have places in countries that we're invading. But unfortunately, as I said, many conservative pundits agree. And in this article, yeah, I would like to spend more time picking this up, uh, picking this apart. Is um, but for now, what I'm going to do is focus right now on how they are handling, how they're going to treat the definition of what an assault. Uh, rifle really is. So the um, we're seeing bans right now because, as we said, Heller limited the um, protection to handguns. So now we're going to see bans on assault rifles like we did see one in in Massachusetts, where the judge said, well, this is okay because Heller said it's limited to handguns. So it really was a uh, Maybe a short-sighted victory, but ultimately it was not going to be uh, very helpful. Also, what's different, oh, we're going to have to see, is how the press is handling this. In 1828, Noah Webster described a musket uh, as a weapon used by colonial militias as a species of firearm used in war. In other words, it was once a given that civilians, meaning the militia, would have the very same firearms in the mili- as the military. Think about this. And this is what we're going to continue on as we go through this series, because there's a lot to unpack here. Merriam-Webster recently changed this definition to any of the following, to the following, any of various intermediate range magazine-fed military rifles, such as the AK-47, that can be set for automatic or semi-automatic fire. Okay, right now we're talking function. So far, so good. Also, and I've emphasized this, a rifle that resembles a military assault rifle that is designed to allow only semi-automatic fire. We're out of time, but what I wanted to do is just <clears throat> drive that point home that not only do they no longer care about function, but they care about what it looks like. So you can have an ergonomic stock, an adjustable stock on there, and um, that's going to be considered a scary feature. So um, that being said, I just want to share one more. Uh, Julia says, I need a tank and a bomber plane. And this is one of the things we hear from people that say, well, this is the second amendment so you can have a nuclear arsenal. Doesn't say what you can have or cannot have. It says what the government cannot do. Folks, we're out of time, but we're going to be carrying uh, on with this topic, I think, in the next few shows. And I know there's going to be a lot to cover as these laws come into effect. On behalf of Jeff Johnson and myself, I'm Suzanne Sherman. I want to thank you for watching the Wasatch Report today. 